you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Praise the Lord. Thank you guys for being people that desire to press in, that desire to seek his face. Because hmm. he loves to show up where people desire to seek him. Amen. May that be, may that be the the drive of the church may that be the the hunger of not just this church but all the churches that they desire to seek his face and nothing else so we can allow him to be king once again bridegroom once again hallelujah hallelujah well how beautiful is it that valentine's day and ash wednesday fall on the same same day this this year i i find that absolutely amazing you say well why is that because without true love for him without our a posture of love for for our bridegroom how are we ever going to submit ourselves unto the cross how are we ever going to submit ourselves unto into a place of repentance it only comes for a, a, a love infatuation that we have with him amen and it's beautiful to see these two things come together today so so as even as uh alexandra was saying who is your valentine then hmm who is your Valentine? Glory to God. I say it's my king. Amen, amen, amen. I don't know what it is here about lately here on these on these Wednesday evenings, but but man, the the the, the Holy Spirit, he keeps lead, he keeps leading me into this place of speaking and and dwelling in this love affair. I mean, that, he, that he's beginning to stir in me and I, and I pray he's been stirring in you guys as well. Cause it does, it just seems like every single thing that I, that I pick up in the word of God, when I'm going to minister here on a Wednesday, it's, it's all about that. It's like, all I do is see, see this infatuation on this love that he has for us and that he's trying to draw us into that as well. And it's, it's addicting. Hmm. He's addicting. You know, even, uh, I think, what was that before? Uh, Kimberly started ministering last week. We were teaching on Maranatha. You know, when the Lord started talking to me about Maranatha, I thought we are going to get to talk about the end times. <laughs> Amen. But, but that's not the direction that he wanted to go. It was a, more of a stirring a passion in our heart. Amen. For the bridegroom. Does anyone have a passion stirring in their heart for him? I'm telling you, this is, this this is what is stirring in me. Amen. It's what's stirring in me. So I pray, I pray that it begins to stir in you if it's not already. Because I listen, I don't know, I don't know where everyone is in this room. I don't know where you are in your relationship, where you are in your walk with him. You may be, you may be lit on fire. Amen. Have a flame burning uh, like a forest fire on the inside of you, having a fiery passion for him, or or you may have let it dry, uh, you know slow down or die down into, into embers. Amen. Or you may have been like I was for, for many years and you can go around talking about that this, you know, this Christian thing isn't about religion. It's all about, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship, but, but you never allow yourself to come into the place where you get the benefits of true intimate relationship with him. You always keep him with a arm's distance, away from us. Why? <laughs> because you're in fear that you won't have control over your own life. Hmm? And listen, listen, church, this is where I, I believe, I know I was, and I believe I was like a lot of the church nowadays. Listen, there's a fear, there's a fear in the church to fall helplessly in love with him. Why? Because you can't control your own life if you do. You can't control your own life if you do. Why? Because that is where discipleship begins. Why aren't there disciples in the church nowadays? Because people aren't helplessly in love with him. Discipleship doesn't end there. That's how it gets birthed. That's how it gets birthed, to falling helplessly in love with him. This is, where, this is where marriage takes you. This is where the union of the covenant of marriage takes you, if we will permit it. Amen. But listen, we should be, we should be desiring to get to this place, to where we're so submitted, such a submitted bride, where we're even like Sarah 
or we get to the get to the place that we so obey and are submitted to the bridegroom that we even that we even call him master. This is what First Peter three is talking about. We get so submitted, we're so in love with him that we're submitted because how I many you know we we are the bride of Christ. Amen. Doesn't matter if you're male or female. This is this is what we are. But may we get so submitted that that we're not only in love with him, but we also see him as master. And and everything that we're doing. Amen. Now listen, when I'm when I'm talking here, I'm not just talking to adults. Amen. Young people. I mean, I know y'all y'all are here on a Wednesday night. Hey, amen. But listen, and I know we've been talking about things that you may not understand, but I'm telling you, I'm not just talking to the adults. I'm talking to you as well. I'm talking to you as well that you don't, that you don't come to this place of wait until your mid-20s or, or late 20s as, as me and so many people are, and you miss decades, decades of, of, of walking in the cool of the day with him. De- decades of of being completely consumed by him, decades of, of, of passion, decades of, of simple fellowship. Why? Because you're in fear to go too far. Hmm? Don't be in fear to go too far. There is no too far in him. There is no, there is no too far. It's just getting ourselves out of the way to where we can step in to what he has for us, amen. So I want to I want to encourage you, young ones, as well as the adults. I want to encourage you. Listen, step into this love affair now, amen. Don't wait till you're older. Don't wait till you're in twenties. Step into this now. Why? So that we can be so consumed with Jesus, so consumed with Him, that even when you go to school, that you can't stop thinking about Him. Even when you sit down to, to eat dinner with the family, you, 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 you can feel his presence sitting there, sitting there with you, desire, desiring to commune with you, desiring to fellowship with you. Even when you go to sleep in bed, he's the very last thing. He is the very last thing you speak to and you commune with before you dream about him at night. Amen. May this, may this be the place where Jesus as our lover our bridegroom, may he consume us as the all-consuming fire that he is. May he consume your every being. May he consume my every being. Amen. Now listen, you know, if you've, if you've been around us long enough, you'll know that we don't, we don't typically follow the, the worldly calendar to decide what we're going to minister on and what we're not going to minister on. We don't, we don't allow what, uh, you know, Father's Day or Mother's Day or even Valentine's Day, although we ought to submit ourselves to, to Pancake Tuesday. <laughs> Amen. But being this is a Wednesday, we've already missed that. Amen. But listen, listen, we don't allow the worldly calendars to dictate the things that we minister in here. We allow, we allow, we do our best to allow the Holy Spirit, amen, to dictate us, to, to lead us into what he has for us. But, but as I was praying Monday and I was, you know, we just got back from Pastor John's, you know, Sunday night, late Sunday night. And, you know, I got up and I was like, Lord, where do you want to go? Do you want to continue on with, with this topic of Maranatha or what, what is it that you actually want, want to speak to us about here th- this week, this, you know, as I, as I normally would do. And he simply just said, first love. Amen. You know, just talk about my, my, my first love. And he gave me a few scriptures to, to begin to, to minister on. And we'll see where the Lord goes from here. Amen. But we're going to talk a little bit about first love. Now, as you can imagine, listen, we're not going to talk about Eros love. Right? I mean, I mean, there's four different types or Greek words that are for love. You have what? Eros, you have storge, you have agape, and you have phileo. We're not going to talk about this Eros type love just because it's Valentine's Day, right? You say, what is Eros love? It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lustful love. It's a, it's a physical love. It, is a, it can be a romantic love, right, that constitutes a union between two people, between a man and a woman and a husband and a wife, right? It's, it's eros loves where we get the, the English word erotica, erotic, right? And you say, well, why? That sounds like a good thing. Why shouldn't we, why shouldn't we teach that on, on Valentine's Day? Well, well, listen, church, 
because you're never gonna, you'll never leave properly walk in Eros love. You'll never leave properly walk in Eros love if we don't yield ourselves to first love. You'll never properly walk in Eros love because you'll begin to have a bend towards lustful love, lustful relationship and not romantic union if we don't first get first love correct in our lives, meaning what? Meaning our vertical relationship with Jesus, our vertical love with, with the Lord. Our, it, it has to be settled. It has to be perfected. It has to be molded. It has to be shaped into who he is before, before lateral love ever comes to play. Amen. This is why we have so many problems in the church, so many problems in the world regarding relationships. Is because what? Because we don't have this right. We don't have this right. I think, you know, I've probably said this before, but I think, you know, there's a study back in the States and listen, that the divorce rate in the church is, is the same as the secular world. And now this would be an American study, but it's like 48 to 49%. One out of every two marriages that come together, they, they split apart from the Christian. You say, why is that? It's because we, we've lost this. We've lost our, our vertical love. We, we, and so we start mimicking that and how we treat him to how we treat our counterpart. Amen? The one that God placed in our hands for us to love and adore and give our lives up for. We start treating it like we treat him. And that's why there's failure in it. Just as we see so many people running away from the things of church, things of God, running away from Jesus. <laughs> see the same thing in the marriage. Amen? So what is, what is first love? What is first love? Well, as you can imagine... Amen. The first scripture that comes up to me is probably the same scripture that came up to you there in, in Revelations chapter 2. Right? And we've, we've taught on this and, and regarding first love when it comes to the church of Ephesus. And it, and it was probably about a year ago when we spent some time you know, deal, dealing with this church here. So I'm not going to teach from that standpoint. We're just going to teach it from, you know, from this, this, this first love posture. Right? So in, in Revelation chapter 2, I'll start here in, let me just start here in verse 2. It says, I know your works. Now, I love that phrase there because that's, that's not a gnosko love. That's not an intimate love. That's, that's oida love, right? He, or oida, uh, a knowing, right? He says, listen, I, I have a knowledge, a, a knowing, a, a literal knowing of what's going on. Why? Because I've come and I've walked among the churches. Jesus is saying, listen, I, I know exactly what was happening in, in the church of Ephesus. He goes, I know exactly what's happening in the island church. I know exactly what's happening in the churches that he's able to come in and walk through. He goes, I know. I know these things. I know your works. I know your labors. I know your patience. I know that you can't stand them, that which are evil. Praise the Lord. He says, and, I, and he goes, and that you have tried them that say they are apostles, and they're not. And you found them to be liars. He says, I know these works. I know that you hate, you eschew evil. You can't stand it. Even to the ones, your spiritual discerning, the people that come into the church and they act like apostles. They think they're teachers or pastors. You, you've looked at them. You've rebuked them. You can tell the difference between evil and good. He goes, you've come to that place. I can see that. I, I've recognized that. You don't allow the false apostles in. You don't allow the wolves in. You begin to push them out. And he's giving them, what is he doing? He's giving them a commendation. He's giving them praise for, for things that they're doing well in the church. But he says, nevertheless, or let me back on up. I wasn't done there yet. In verse 3, he says, and he goes, you have borne, you have patience. He goes, for my sake, for my namesake, and you have labored, and you have not fainted. You haven't backed off. You've endured, and you've endured, you've endured, and you've never backed off. And that's, a, that's, that's beautiful. And he goes to verse 4, he says, but nevertheless, he goes, I have something against you. Because you have left thy first love. He goes, I have something against you. Now, now I got praises for you. I can see the things that you're doing, but I do have something against you. Why? Because you left your first love. 
Now this word love here, this is, this is not eros love. This is, this is actually, it says agape. I mean, it comes from the, the, the Greek word agapeo and agape. You know, what, what are the difference between those words? You know, agape is a noun and agapeo is the verb. I mean, the verb of this is, is properly to prefer another, to, to prefer to love, to, to be a believer, or, or to prefer to even live through Christ, as live through the love that is in Christ, right? It's embracing God's will. It's choosing. It's choosing, amen, to walk in the love that he's placed in you. But this this is the noun version, you know, uh, the noun version, agapen, coming from agapio, which, which what is agape? We, we know what that is. It's the, it's the highest form of love, right? It's the highest form of love that, that doesn't have to have it reciprocated. It's a love that goes forth even if it doesn't come back to it. It's a love that can love its enemies, Amen. And still continue to love. It is, it's God's love. It's a love that's only found in God. Amen. It's a love that's found in Jesus. This is actually how he even refers to himself. See, he doesn't walk around saying that I bestow love, I give love, I give agape love, I get agape love. No, he says, I am love. I am agape love. And because he is agape love, everything he does is in love. I mean, so you don't have to question if he does something right or wrong or indifferent or if he loves someone when he's doing something. You know, yes, even when it comes to judgment, you don't have to say, does God love me because judgment, he's judging my heart on So No, 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 you can know he, everything he does is love because that's who he is, right? He, he is the highest form of love. Hallelujah. So what is Jesus telling us here? He's telling the church, he says, listen, you've walked, you've walked away from preferring me. You've walked away from loving me. You've walked away from living through me. Why? Because you're not living in the marriage union with me. You've walked away from your first love. You're not fulfilling your, the, the covenant of, of the marriage union. So what do we find? Jesus, he's sitting there. He's provoking us. He's, he's provoking the church at Ephesus. He's provoking them. He's, he's giving them a, a romantic request. A romantic request even even with a, a demand, a romantic request with a demand saying, listen, return back to your first love. Return back to me, return back to your first love. Why? Because you've left. Because you've left, you departed. Return to your true love so that the works of love can begin to be produced through you again. Hmm? I mean, no, you can do works and it not be from love. You do works, it's called religion. Amen, but when works are, can begin to flow from a posture of love as well. I mean, this is, what, this is what he's getting. Come back, come back to that, come back to me. So when you come back to me, what you're doing is actually a product of your intimate union with me. You know, people, people say maybe, you know, listen, I didn't even know you could walk away from your first love. How, how, can, how can you walk away from someone that you're in love with? How can a first love, how, how can you walk away from them? Well, it's the same way in a marriage, right? In a natural marriage between a husband and a wife, you have to choose to love that person. You, you have the ability, amen, to walk away. You have the ability to choose to love them, to practice love, or to quit, or to walk away. You, you have the choice to do those things. Listen, it's absolute nonsense, some of the things that we hear nowadays, amen, that someone's walking along, and they just tripped, and they, and they fell, and then they fell out of love with someone and fell into the arms of an adulterous lover. No, that's not the way things work. You made the choice to do that. You didn't just trip and stumble into it. No, you made, you made a premeditated choice. This is what I'm going to do. And then you do it. Amen. Why? Because love is a choice. We walk in his love or we don't. We love him or we don't. We love our natural lover or we don't. Amen. It's, 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 a, it's a choice that we're making. Amen. And listen, we got to make the right choice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, listen, I don't believe, I don't necessarily believe that, that this scripture is implying that 
the church, the church of Ephesus, that they walked away from their salvation. I don't believe I can give you many other verses to prove that out, you know, that you can walk away from salvation. That's not, that's not what I, I don't believe he's talking about here. I think, I don't think it's walking away from a salvation. I think it's walking away from a marriage union. Amen. The marriage union being, being an adulterous lover has caught their eye. It's caught their gaze and they begin to yield and walk towards that adulterous lover instead of, instead of the one that they were engaged to, the one that they were married to. Amen. Now listen, you say, why is that such a bad, why is that such a bad thing? Well, we know that we, none of us should have a divided heart on anything, right? But listen, if you yield yourself into the love of the adulterous lover, this is what provokes you to walk away and marry another. That's what provokes you when you yield yourself. And that's what provokes you to, to walk away from a natural marriage. It's what will provoke you to walk away from your spiritual marriage. When something else, when another lover in our lives catch our eyes. You say, so who is this adulterous lover here? Where, where on the next verse he says, go back, go back to the works you did at first. So you'd have to you'd have to tend to believe that 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 some of the things that were catching their attention, catching their eyes, could have been their works. I mean, it could have been the things that they're doing. They got so tied up in what they were doing, but they weren't doing it for him. Doing it for themselves, doing it for self promotion, doing it to have the eyes on them, doing it because you know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. Doing it to be the the biggest church in Ephesus doing it to be whatever it is, but they're doing the works for, for the wrong motivation, right? It could be the place where they allowed their personal lives to begin to be divided from their spiritual life to where, you know, I got my church life over here and then I got my personal life over here. Amen. There is no division in those things. It's one life. Hmm? It's just one life. Maybe it was the money that, they, that they've been blessed with as they became prosperous and God put his prosperity upon them. Maybe it was the, the ministry that they birthed that they fell in love more with the ministry than they did with Jesus. And it's crazy because all these things we're talking about here, it is everything that God has placed in their hand. I mean, it was the, it was the blessing that God has, has placed in their hand. Hmm. And they begin to be obsessed with it right? But see, when we don't have a cultivated heart, when we don't posture ourselves to cultivate our hearts, listen, we end up, we end up right in the middle of the thorn patch where those vines, those thorny vines begin to grow up and they begin to squeeze and choke the word out of us. And what happens? We become unfruitful. Or maybe a better word for that is we become barren. Amen. We're not able to birth the things that the Lord is desiring for us to birth. We become a barren people. Amen. But I, I, like I say, it's interesting, even being in ministry, you see these things quite often. You see, you see it with people that they, the very things that God has placed in their hands to be a blessing, the very thing he handed to his bride, say, listen, I'm giving you this because I love you. The very thing he places in their hands, they get obsessed with to their detriment, to where it destroys them. The very thing that God has given them. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane to see these things happen. I mean, it's, it's kind of like this. If you, have a, if you have a bride, if you have a bride that, that just got engaged and, her, and the bridegroom gave her, gave her a, a ring, whether it's a, a big, beautiful rock on there or if it's a small rock or whatever the diamond looks like or if there is no diamond, but, but she, she looks at that ring and she, she, she's so thankful and she falls in love with the ring that she gets. Amen. Enough to the point where she desires the ring more to show off the ring more than she does actually her bridegroom. And see, the product of that is it may not happen the first time. It may not happen the, the second time. It may not happen the third time, but it's going to happen when another suitor comes by. When another suitor comes by with a proposal, with a more extravagant engagement ring, she's going to walk away from her first love and receive what her lust is going after. Amen. We got to be mindful what catches our attention. We got to be mindful what our eyes are pointed to. We got to mind what we permit to catch the gaze of our life. 
He says here in verse 4, or excuse me, in verse 5, he says, Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen, and repent and do your first works, or else I'll come to you quickly and I'll remove your candlestick out of the place, except you repent. He says, listen, if you don't repent, I'm going to pull an anointing off of your house, anointing off of your church, where you're going to have to hold these things up by yourself. Right? So, so he says, remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen and repent. Remember, therefore, where or how the depths that you have fallen. Remember the, how the, the depths of the intimate love you had with Jesus. Remember how, how the depths of these things that you've actually fallen from. Now, if you look this word up in the Greek, this word fallen, is, it's pretty interesting. It's not like a we stumble. Amen. It's, it's a stumble to where you stumble all the way down to where your face hits the ground. Right? It's a stumble. It's not just a trip and you catch yourself with your hands or you're a trip and you catch yourself with your feet. No, it's, it's tripping and stumbling to the place that your face comes in contact with the, with the ground below you. It's a, it's a failing due to falling. Right? A failing due to falling. You know, my, our beautiful daughter here, when we went to uh, adopt her from, from China, Right, we were over there for two weeks and getting to know her, doing uh, an absorbent amount of paperwork and doing everything that you have to do to where you can take someone from one nation to another. And and we're we you know we're on our way and we're there for two weeks, right? And then the last week we went from Beijing all the way down, you know, to to and we ended up in in Hong Kong. And we're 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 leaving Hong Kong. We're in the airport fixing to fly all the way to to San Francisco. From San Francisco, I think it was back back to Houston. And we're, we're taking off, walk through the airport and, you know, we're walking through. I've never been in the airport before, so I'm just walking, looking, trying to find out where we need to go. And I, and I was a little bit in front of Kimberly and Lucy as we, as we were going, maybe, maybe from, from me to Claire, you know, about, about that distance walking in front of them. Well, Lucy, she didn't get a whole lot of time uh, outdoor activities, if you will, while she was in the orphanage. Amen. But so she wasn't very coordinated. Amen. So what'd she do? She, she took off. She, she goes, uh, Baba, right? You know, which is, which is daddy in, in, in Chinese or Mandarin. So she said that and one catch my attention because she wanted to run to me. And she took like one or two steps and then smack her face at the ground. I mean, straight and not, no hand plant, no nothing. Her face smacked the ground to where she got, you know, little carpet burns on her, on that we know she has and, and on her cheeks, right? I mean, I remember looking at camera like, oh my Lord, we're fixing to go through customs and immigration. They're going to think we beat this kid before we, before we, before we came home, you know, what are they going to think about this, right? But she, but she fell from up here straight down and to the ground. This, this is the kind of fall that Jesus is speaking about here. It's not about a we stumble. No, it, it's, it's the kind of fall that, that you stumble and it's a disastrous fall because now you're down on your face, getting your face scratched up. Amen. So he says, remember, bring yourself into remembrance from the heights of standing up straight. Remember from the heights of where, of where you've fallen. Remember the, the heights of the encounters of love that, that we once had. And then look and see where you are right now. He's saying, look back. You remember, remember those encounters. Now, where are you at right now? Where are you at? Remember. Bring yourself to remembrance on these things. You say, what's Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses to justify where you are right now. Your face is planted on the ground. Stop justifying why you're there, why, why everything's grand, everything's perfect, everything's just good. I put on this nice facade. No, he says, quit, quit looking at that, quit denying it, quit trying to justify where you're at. Take a look at where you've fallen because you're not standing up straight anymore. Your face is getting skinned up on the ground, but do you see it? And then go back where you left me. See, how many of y'all know that we got to go back where we left him? We got to make the change. We got to make the step in that direction. And then we turn and then we go back 
to where we left him. Back to where we left him. He says, repent and do your first works. Repent from receiving the influence and the notoriety of this world because they seduced you to fall in love with them. Repent from that. What does that mean? It means change the way you think about that. Stop thinking like the world thinks and remember, remember me. Remember how I trained you to think. Remember the sweet words that I spoke into your ears. Remember the words and my teachings that I begin to give to you. Think like me again. And then you'll do your first works again. Then you'll do your first works again. What were these? The first works as anyone that's in complete love with the Savior, in complete love with the bridegroom. You can't keep people out of prayer. You can't keep people away from studying the word of God. Why? Because it's not, it's not that you're doing these things from a religious standpoint. It's because you're seeking his face. You want a revelation. You want, you want him. Amen. And this is how we posture ourselves to get more of him. See, there's one thing you'll find in common with any minister who stops serving the Lord or any, any Christian that stops serving him or they've fallen to where they're on their face, amen, because they've stumbled. The one thing you'll always find in common is they stop praying and they stop studying the word of God. Full stop. Full stop. Why? Because you can't have communion without it. Amen. And this, and this, this, is, this is the... This is the thing I, I, I ask many people when they're starting to have their problems. Well, are you still studying? Are you still praying? Well, 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 there's your problem. Amen. Allow that hunger to get birthed back on the inside of you, and you'll find all these little things start getting shifted and changed and correct, corrected in your own lives. Amen. He's saying, listen, go back to the basics. Isn't this kind of the word he's been giving us since the beginning of the year? Go back to the basics. Huh? Go back to the basics where, where you look for me in everything that you do. You look for me in everything. You, you go back to the basics where you're infatuated with me and not all the other junk that you're involved in. I'm going to tell you something, church. The church, the people of the church, the body of Christ, they're too busy. Listen, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy to come to church, you're too busy to seek his face, you're too busy to study the word, you are too busy. Jesus calls us, come back, come back, come back, come back. There's some things that have caught your eyes. Hmm? There's things that have caught your eyes that you've been infatuated with. And then he says, and if you don't do it, he goes, I'll empower you no longer. I'll empower you no longer, meaning what? Meaning I'll allow your adulterous lover to empower you. The one that you're infatuated, I'll let, I'll let that one empower you if he won't turn back and come to me. Strong words from our king. Hallelujah. So listen, he says, return back to your first love. Probably spent a little more time on that than I should have, Lord. And uh, go, to, go with me to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, the Lord gave me a couple, a couple examples here between Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 5 so that we can see what it, what first love looked at looked like 50 years prior to this letter we just read about 50 years prior what what first love looked like in the church and then and then obviously we'll get into the place of Ananias and Sapphira if we can get to that today but 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 let's let's take a look at what actual first love looked at. Now listen, this is this is right off of you know Peter, you know, and and the, and the church they got baptized in the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter two. He preached his first message, and three thousand people got saved. He he pulled up the person at the gate called Beautiful, him and John, and the Holy Spirit healed them. And listen, another two thousand people were added into the church. It's 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 right there. It's right on the backside of that. They just got arrested, got 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 flogged, and got got released. Right. And or got warned and got, and got released. And now, and now we're coming here to, to verse 32. And in verse 32, it says, And the multitudes of them believed. And the multitudes of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them 
that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. Listen to this. I like it better out of the Amplified here. It says, not one of them claimed that anything which he possessed was exclusively his own. But everything that was in common and for the use of all. And for the use of all. The first thing I want to bring out here is first love mentality. When we have first, men, men, uh, first love mentality, we, we posture ourselves to do what? To be in one heart and one soul. Right? One heart and one soul. Meaning the body of Christ is, is, is in one spirit. They're in, they're in one spirit as the body of Christ together. One spirit being one holy spirit. But, but one spirit as the body of Christ together is in union as one spirit. Amen. We're, 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 you're, you're, one, you're one entity. Right? He says there are one spirit and there are one soul, meaning what? They're one spirit in unity, but they're also in one soul. They had the same, they had the same will, right? They had the same, same thoughts. They had the, the same direction that they were going. They, they were doing everything in what? In complete submission unto the mission of the bridegroom. Amen. One will, one thought, one direction, amen, to fulfill the things that the bridegroom has asked them to do. They're, they're in one spirit and they're in one soul. You say, why is that important? Because listen, church, we will never, as the body of Christ, come into one accord. Amen. We'll never come into one court, one place, or one accord. We'll, that will never happen in the body of Christ until we return to first love. It'll, it'll never happen. Why? Because there's going to be different things that are pulling precedence in our life. And listen, until we can come into, into, uh, into, uh, into come back to our first love, you know, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never walk in full accord with one another. Amen. You'll never let the bridegroom be the bridegroom. Amen. We'll always, we'll always be trying to lead ourselves. I'm going to tell you something, church. You know, we got to stop allowing denominationalism get, get in the middle of what, of what the Lord is dying to do. That, you know, if we, we can't, if we don't come back to first love, who our bridegroom is, listen, we're going to have denominationalism all over the place all the time. Amen. It, it will be the leader of our lives. Amen. The Bible schools will be, will be what, we, what we is the leader of our lives. Amen. We'll, we'll, we'll begin to exalt spiritual leaders, which you see all over the place. And they're, and they're the ones, they're the ones that we're following. They're the ones that, that, that are the bridegrooms in our lives. And they can't be. Because listen, even, even in the days of the Pharisees, what happened when, when they were the bridegroom? They're the ones that, that had full control over everything. What did they do? They, they murdered the bridegroom. They, they murdered him. For what? For the sake of power of a nation. Hmm? For the power of a nation. It says, listen, they kept all things in common. All things were in common. Now, don't you, do you find it interesting? I don't know about you. I find that very interesting. That the early church, they were such in unity that all things were in common. All things, everything they had, they didn't claim anything to be their own exclusively. And that is interesting. You say, why is that? Because they had so much faith, they trusted God to actually be their supplier. God was actually their supplier. They actually believed what the Lord had to say. That God would supply not only their need, amen, but he would actually supply the people that are around them. He could use them to supply the need to the people that are around them. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God to begin to allow you to supply the need to people that are around you? Is that, is that something that, that even begins to stir in our hearts? That God, God use me, not, ju- not just to meet all my needs, but use me so I can supply their need. So that we can bless people, we can love on people, we can show you, you know, the, the things that we're doing. Hmm? Perhaps instead of just having a, a selfishness and a desire to want our own needs met, we forget that sometimes people have a greater need than we do. Hmm? But listen, all these things, all these things are, are a product. This selfishness, it's a, it's a product of self-preservation. 
which is a secondary consequence of pride. It's a second. It's a. It's a consequence of us of idol worship, worshiping our own comfort, worshiping ourselves. Hmm. I don't remember Jesus trying to train up his people to be like that. Because God will supply everything we need if we'll allow him to do it. Now listen, I probably should be clear here. I'm not trying to promote some kind of shepherding movement. Amen. Like the one they had in the 70s and 80s to where everyone in the church was, was placing everything they had, all their paychecks, they gave it into the church. And then the church, the elders of the church had the great responsibility of, of telling Claire how much she's going to get paid this week and how much Alexandra is going to get paid this week. And then I will pay these bills this week and those bills this week. And I'm telling you that that stuff is absolute insanity. Amen. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that we, that the church should come back to that. Listen, they were in full unity in one accord, one spirit and one soul. And the church is not in that place yet. Amen. I'm telling you, I, I would never want to, want to run people's money like that. That's insane. Amen. It's absolutely insane. It's absolute insanity that begin to birth manipulation. Amen. See, even if these people, even if the ones that started this movement, even if their hearts were right, even if it started from a place of them being right, the end result was people's lives got destroyed. And not only did their lives get destroyed, listen, they destroyed their own lives because it, it was a direct result of first love getting consumed by greed and power. Amen. Getting consumed by greed and power. So I'm not saying that we should have something like that going on because I think that is crazy. But I do believe if we get completely consumed with him, completely consumed with Jesus, I mean that his love for people begin to not just flow in us, but it begin to flow through us. Amen. And we'll begin to have a heart for the people that are around us that we won't just see ourselves as the only priority, but we'll also see what Jesus loves as a priority. Who is that? It's people. It's his church. It's, it's a priority to him, and that ought to be a priority to us. Now, I say, thank God for the Holy Spirit, I mean, that leads us in what we should be giving and what we shouldn't be giving, right? But don't ever let that be an excuse to callous your ears to where you don't hear from him anymore, to where you can begin to hold on to the things for yourself. Amen. That's the stuff will that stuff will harm you as well. So let me let me jump on here. Hallelujah. Here in verse thirty-three, it says, "And with great power, and with great power, gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And great grace was upon them all." This is what the simplicity of the gospel looks like when we're running with first love. Amen. To where, you, to where the adulterous lovers of greed and power, before they permeate the church, this is what it looked like. It says that they, that they uh, had great power. Great power gave the, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. Great power. That word, that word great there is, is megos in the, in the Greek. Amen. It means, it means to, to be... It means to be large or great in in the widest sense. I think it's I think it's Rick Renner who says that that it's mega. So it's like mega power was released. Something something big, extraordinary, something something huge in the widest of sense. The mega power was upon what was upon these apostles. The mega dunamis power is what that is. The mega, the mega supernatural explosive power of the Holy Ghost was demonstrated on the apostles as they what? As they preached the resurrection. As they preached the resurrection. 
I mean, y'all know, y'all know Pastor Christopher Allum, you know, the, yeah, he's an amazing guy. He's come to Dundalk a few times. He's one of the missionaries we support out here. He's not just a missionary. He's an apostle. He's not just an apostle. He's a, a crusade evangelist. And he does, he does some amazing, amazing things around the world. He goes and, and preaches the gospel. He preaches to, to crowds that may start off with, with 20 and they may end up with 200,000. Why? Because of the, the mega power that flows with him. Amen. As people start getting healed, blind eyes open ears get open amazing things happen because of the mega power of the holy spirit that flows but see when he comes into the west he comes into the western churches and he'd say to our church and to many other churches say listen you want this mega power you want the supernatural explosive power of the holy spirit to begin to get in your church he says it's very simple preach the cross preach resurrection preach the blood Amen. When you preach these things, he goes, power starts getting, getting released. I mean, it, it, I believe it was at the end of the end of last year, you know, he was off ministering in Asia in a, in an extreme Hindu environment there that he's never been before because he doesn't go to where Christians are. He only goes to where, to where non-Christians are because that's, that's what he's going after. And this was an extreme Hindu area that he went into. And they, and when they, they showed up, they said, no, you can't, you can't do, you can't, we're not going to give you a permit to do a public outreach here. And, and finally they talked and talked and talked and said, listen, listen, we're just going to do, we'll just do, you know, like, uh, we're going to talk about the Christmas story. Amen. And they, they understood. They said, okay, you can talk about the Christmas story, but there's one thing you can't do. You can't pray for the sick. You can't pray for the sick. That can't happen. You say, why is that? Because that's a revelation of who Jesus is. Demons don't like that. They don't want the power exercise of, of Jesus. They said, listen, you can talk about the Christmas story, but you can't, you, can't, uh, you can't pray for the sick, otherwise we'll arrest you. And he says, okay, we can do that. So what do they do? They set up the crusade. They started preaching the gospel. People started coming out there. What was he preaching on? He's preaching on the cross. He's preaching on the blood. He's preaching on the resurrection. And he didn't have an altar call to get people healed. As he's preaching the word of God, the Holy Spirit gets so excited, he starts bouncing around, healing the sick, opening up deaf ears. Blind people start opening up their eyes. You know, People start getting up out of chairs and, and, and cripples with Christ. They start getting healed just from speaking the word of God enough to where the government, the police that were there at the meeting came out and shut it down and wanted to arrest them. And he's like, listen, I wasn't, he, I wasn't laying hands on the sick. It was Jesus. You know, it was Jesus. I mean, but this, this is what happens when you actually preach what mega power gets released. But listen, we got to return to first love before mega power gets released again. We're not just here trying to build our ministries. Make sure we can fill up the church with a bunch of a seat warmers, amen, to where we can have, you know, 5,000, 10,000 followers on, on Twitter or on, or on Instagram. Come on, church. We need to get back to first love instead of loving ourselves over Jesus. Hmm? We'll never see mega power come to the church unless we do. Unless we do. I'm telling you, we've seen healings and we've had some amazing healings in this house. Amen. But, but it's not just this house. It's the people outside of the house that we want them to see the manifestations of him. How's that come? It comes from getting intimate with first love, having a desire for first love. You know, and this is what Jesus tells us. Thank you, Lord. There in, in Mark chapter 16, verses 15, 16, 17, and 18. In 19 and 20, he says, go into the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. He says, those that, those that believe and are baptized, they shall be saved. And those that believe not, they shall be condemned. And he said, there's going to be signs that follow the believer. What is a sign? It's not a sign that points to you. It's not a sign that points to the minister. It's a sign that points to Jesus. He said, there'll be signs that follow them that believe. A sign, a blinking, a blinking sign points pointing to who? Pointing to Jesus, those that believe. Because he said, listen, in my name, in the name of Jesus, when you believe in the name of Jesus, there's going to be signs that come forth. You will cast out devils in his name. Amen. Why, why in the world is the church so in fear of devils? Oh, my Lord, do you carry Jesus with you? 
I mean, Jesus, when you speak his name, devils start trembling. They get nervous. Sickness gets nervous as soon as he comes into the room. Why? Because his name's Jesus. It all bows unto him. I mean, he says, you will speak in new tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, listen, start, start prophesying the name of Jesus. He, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And you can receive what he promised as a sign. Amen. He says, you'll, you'll take up serpents. You'll have, you'll have authority over every single animal in the animal kingdom. You'll have, you'll have authority over it all by the name of Jesus. If you drink any deadly thing, if someone tries to poison you, hmm? if you drink bad milk, <laughs> if you drink a deadly report from the doctor's office, drink a deadly report from the banker, it says, it shall not harm you. And he says, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall recover. Why? Because you believe. Because you're a believer. You're ministering his name. And with his name, there is, there is mega power that goes with his name. Not because I say, because our king, our bridegroom, our lover tells us this. And then he goes off here into, into verse 20. He says, and so what they do, they're his lovers, his, his people, his disciples, he says, they went forth. They went out. He said, go, what'd they do? They submitted unto the bridegroom like a beautiful bride does. And they went forth and did exactly what he asked them to do. They said, they preached everywhere. They talked everywhere. They, they communed with people. They're, they were revealing the king and the people they came in contact with. And what happened? It says, the Lord was working with them. Oh, may Jesus begin to work with us. It says, and the Lord began to work with them. Confirming what? Confirming the word with signs following confirming what they spoke out of their mouth about the Christ, about Jesus, about the bridegroom. He confirmed every single thing that came out of their mouth. And this is our God. This is our bridegroom. This is first love. This is the one that, that, he's, that he's wooing us back into getting hooked up with. It's Jesus. Man, we be, man, we begin to be a people that when we preach the word of God, man, we use words that Jesus confirms with signs following. When you go and you talk to your family or you talk to your friends, I mean, instead of talking about all the stupid things that people want to talk about, talk about the weather, talk about how they're sick, talk about how your life is hell, instead of talking about all that, why don't we talk about words that Jesus can use to confirm with signs following? When we're in the grocery store, we're walking down the streets, when we meet complete strangers, instead of just ignoring them, why don't we start using words, talking about Jesus, talking about the Christ, that he can confirm those words we speak with signs following. Hmm? This is what our lover's trying to draw us back into. This stuff didn't die with the apostles. No, the apostles died. Holy Spirit, still the same Spirit. Jesus is still the same Jesus. The Father is the same Father. But the church has to come back to first love. The church has to come back to first love. People say, well, come on, Ryan. That was just with the apostles, right? It says, it says here, what that great, that mega power is given to the apostles. Those sent ones, as, as, as they as they as they, uh, as they uh, witnessed of the, of the res resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But check this out. It says, but great grace was upon them all. That word great there is the same word great for dunamis power. So mega grace was upon them all. 5,000 people just got saved in the same grace, the same mega grace that was upon the apostles was upon them all. They all had a, a mega super, supernatural, extraordinary leaning forth of Jesus to, to bestow or give a benefit unto all that believed. That's powerful. Oh, I'm telling you, church, that's powerful. Do you believe Jesus wants to, to operate this mega grace through you? 
Does Jesus want to operate this mega grace through each and every one of us? Do we believe, do we believe that Jesus will work this mega grace through us? Do you believe that he has the mega grace that, that you can go and you can minister it unto your family and change and change them? Do we believe that we have a mega grace, amen, to change our cities? Do we believe that we have a, a mega grace that we can change our nations, our islands? Do, do, we have, do we have that mega grace that we can even, that we can even change the world? Hmm? This is, what, this is what our first love is trying to reveal to us. Because I'm telling you, if you don't, if you don't believe that, if you don't know these things to be true, maybe an adulterous lover has caught your gaze. Maybe it's stolen your gaze to where, to where you don't believe what, what your first love says, but now you believe, you believe what the adulterous lover has to say. Hmm? But we believe what that adulterous lover, the new lover, has to say. I mean, church, remember, do you remember, do you remember when you used to dream? Do you remember when you used to dream about when you're when a young Christian you're, and you're dreaming about, you know, people getting saved and you're talking, you can see it and you're, you know, I'm talking to this person, leading them to the Lord. Do you remember that? Do you remember, like, I wonder if I can, if when, when I'm going to lay hands on these people and, and they're going to get healed and it's going to change the whole environment of our cities. Do, do, you, do we remember, do we remember when we used to have those kind of dreams, do you remember when you used to dream about laying hands on people that are that are addicted to meth and heroin and all these different types of drugs out there or alcoholism like we have in this nation, and they would be instantly delivered and fall in love with Jesus? Do you remember when we had the dream of revival in our heart? That it wasn't something we just gave up on? But see, we had our heart so opened up that we allowed Jesus Jesus to place his desires in our heart. And we could care less about anything else except what he had for us. I say, Jesus, help us to dream again. Jesus, help, help us to be a people who dream again. Help us to be a people that are vulnerable with you, that we're not in fear to get consumed by you. Help us to be a people that are transparent with you, that we don't get offended because you stop rubbing rough edges off of us, Lord, that, that we're vulnerable, we're transparent, and we receive, we receive your heart, we receive your desires, we receive your dreams. May they begin to flow through us. May they begin to flow through us once again. May we as your church, may your church as a whole, may we come to the place of finding value and worth in you once again. May we see you as the beautiful bridegroom who you are that purchased each and every one of us with your precious, spotless blood. May we, may we be a people that permit first love to rule our lives, to reign in our lives. And may that first love lead us, may it lead us once again. Jesus, we confess you, Lord. We confess you, Lord. We confess you, Savior. We confess you, Bridegroom. Lord, we say, lead and teach us to follow. Teach us to be a people that follow. Lord Jesus, we love you. We honor you today. Lord, draw your church. Draw your people. Draw your bride back to first love. May we be willing to set down at the feet of, you, of the cross at, the, at your feet anything, any, any adulterous lover that's caught our gaze, no matter how big or how small they are, may we have a boldness because of our complete infatuation with you, Lord, that we're willing to give these things up. 
We hear your voice. We hear you calling. We hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto the churches. Help us to redeem the time that's lost. Lord, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We welcome you in this place. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the call of your bride. We say we know you've come, Jesus. We know that you're coming. So may it be the cry of our hearts. Maranatha, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come receive your bride. Come, Lord Jesus. We can't wait to see you come, Lord Jesus, because we are truly infatuated with you. So we love you, Lord. We glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.